Hello, everybody, and welcome to the final episode that will be wrapping up the discussion of Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie's Half of a Yellow Sun. I'm your host, Emily Fedor, and I'm so excited to discuss some of the themes I've noticed throughout the novel. So we first talked about Chimamanda and her life, which gave us a little background as to why she writes so much about war and Nigerian experiences. And in the last episode, we discussed a basic overview of the characters and plot. Today, I would like to discuss the ongoing themes and how they are portrayed in this novel. So without further hesitation, grab some coffee, grab your cat, and let's get discussing. So the first thing we see in the story is colonism, more specifically the post-colonial aspect and the involvement of government in society. The entire war was fought over government disagreements after colonism. The story takes place right after Nigeria broke away from British rule. However, it is still heavily influenced by British ideology. This was because due to many colonial aspects, the government was still too weak to stand on its own and needed the British for various sources. In order for them to rely on the British, they still had to adhere to certain aspects. I really enjoyed reading from this perspective because these were through the experiences of the victims of colonism firsthand. Uh, Throughout school, we hear about colonism and how it's bad, but we never really had authentic stories told from it. I think Half of Yellow Sun also does a really good job at telling, you know, the after story and the aftermath of colonism. I never really realized how much, you know, I figured once colonism was done, it's over with. I didn't realize it left so many lasting effects. And, you know, this is stuff that stuff like history books and everything, it doesn't talk about when it talks about colonism. You know, once I heard that history books are written to downplay certain acts, and now I totally believe it. Uh, Before this book, I knew what colonism was. However, I did not realize the extent of damage it does. Uh, They don't teach you about the violence, the war, and the murdering that it causes. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it, but I thought colonism was really just an annoying form of people pushing their beliefs on others. Obviously, I know this is further from the truth. And on top of all the problems I just listed, the Nigerian government also used their power to weaken their enemies. But not by an imperial matter, but more by a civilian matter. And they weakened the people, like everybody who was who was a part of the Igbo tribe. For example, we see this through the food shortage. There was a significant sources. They were a significant source of food income for the Igbo tribes, and they were just cut off. This led to many starvation, and ultimately, this is what caused Canaan to disappear. So another theme we see throughout the novel is the theme of love and of disappointment, almost like betrayal. Uh, there were various affairs that took place during the novel, such as Amala and Odinigbo and Richard and Alana. However, we see a certain strength come out of these. So, for example, Odinigbo and Alana, they make up and they end up raising the baby that came from Amala and Odinigbo's affair. As well as we see Richard and Kanin also make up and Kanin has a newfound strength through all of this. Uh, Even though they have drifted apart because of the affairs, Alana and Kanin also become close again by the end of the novel. So, you can kind of relate it to almost seeing a theme of heartbreak and strength. And you can relate this to the novel outside of a physical romantic relationship through the relationship that the country has with each other. So, you know, all throughout colonism, they stuck together and they finally broke away from that colonism. And it was great. They thought they had a great thing. It was new. They were finally independent and everything. However, all of a sudden, 
you have all these military coups and the countries at war with each other. Obviously, this can be confusing and heartbreaking for many of the people involved. However, it led the war itself had led to character development for everybody and allowed them all to be stronger and they got in a lot out of it in regards to personal growth, I feel like. So the last theme I would like to touch upon is the theme of gender and gender roles in the novel. More specifically, I want to touch upon about how they've changed up a novel and throughout time. So Adichie has actually dedicated most of her work to being a feministic writer. And in Half a Yellow Sun, she does an excellent job of portraying this. So she does things such as switching switching time periods from current war to pre-war, back to current war. And I think this is really helpful in allowing the reader to see the difference between how women were treated before the war and versus during the war. So we are first introduced to these different social norms of different time periods that we see throughout the play during the beginning of the book. So we're introduced during the early 60s, which was the pre-war time, and we are introduced to the idea that women are second-class citizens almost. And we can see this at events such as when they were all at the party, and we meet Kanine, and she obviously she's very, she's very confident, and she really makes herself known when she enters a room. Uh, this was not normally expected of women back then, so when she did this, it caused a lot of controversy. And the first time we see a shift of somebody from kind of being standoffish about that into being able to kind of enjoy that and kind of use it as a reference for the future as to making a difference in the gender roles and reversing the roles is when Richard actually likes caning for these aspects rather than judging her like many other people do. So we also see these themes present throughout the wartime. So once the war started, like we said, many of the women had to start taking on roles that were typically used for men because the men were all fighting the war, so women had to fill their shoes. So we see things such as Kanye opening refugee, refugee camps and Alana and other people just really taking on the everyday society needs to just run their tribe. Aside from the war, I think the author includes a lot of different experiences that the protagonists have had just to set the audience's mind up for the idea that women will be taking on a different role. So like we mentioned before, the various love affairs that have occurred during the novel, I think they kind of set the reader up for different views on how women would handle situations. So for example, you know, they had affairs, but they all ended up staying together. They all, in the end, they were stronger and they all still had relationships with each other afterwards. So we also see a role of motherly instincts throughout the play. And I think this kind of goes back to what I was saying before. So for example, after Olana found out about the affair between Odinigbo and Amala, Amala had the baby. She didn't want the baby. And rather than Alana running away from the entire situation, she stayed and she strengthened herself and she took care of that baby. She took that baby in as her own. And I think that kind of sets up the reader's mind to be like, okay, wow, instead of 
her running away from the situation, she took charge and she did the best with what she was given. So that was an important form of strength that uh, DJ had to include into the novel for her to get her feministic point across. And I think another thing that was unfortunate, but it had to be included, it was very crucial for this message to be relayed, was also the disappearance of Kaneen. While the men were all fighting for war, Kaneen was there running refugee camps and taking care of everybody on the civilians who needed taken care of. And unfortunately, they were running out of food supply and different drug supplies, anything, basically all the necessities they needed to live. And rather than just waiting it out and hoping that there would be a solution, which they know that probably would not come, Kaneen decided to go into enemy lines and try to get the food and everything they need herself. As we know from our previous discussion, sadly, Kaneen does not return and the novel ends as the war ends and she's still nowhere to be found. But this kind of leaves the reader with many questions that allow them to reevaluate their views on women and feminism. So for example, as the as the novel concludes, we see that Ugu and Odinigbo, everybody, they all return home from war, yet Kaneen is still missing. You know, they're living in a society where men are praised for their strength and their resilience, yet, you know, previously, right before this happened, we learned about the struggles that Ugu has faced and the struggles that Odinigbo has faced and how it completely changed them and they are no longer who they were and that they couldn't live up to the societal expectations that they have of men. Which the men expectations were completely unrealistic at the time, but it kind of just puts into perspective how they're sitting here praising men while they're degrading women. Yet, Kaneen was the one who did not return from war when the men did. So in conclusion, all these aspects kind of contributed to the factors that allowed an audience member who read Half of a Yellow Sun to reevaluate how they view feminism. Ajita did a fantastic job on this book and on all the themes and relaying all the themes and really getting all her points across. I really enjoyed reading it and I hope you did as well and I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I want to thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you soon. Goodbye.